Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, I am lucky enough to interview yet again James Braha. And so for those of you who don't know, James wrote one of the first books available in the West on Vedic astrology. And so he has written books such as How to Predict Your Future, How to Be a Great Astrologer, and of course, Ancient Hindu Astrology for the Modern Western Astrologer. But recently, here in 2020, he has released his revised and expanded version of Ancient Hindu Astrology for the Modern Western Astrologer. And so today, I again am interviewing James, discussing his book, his experience with writing the book, and a lot of miscellaneous astrological facts, which is always very fun. And so aside from James being a phenomenal astrologer with so much information to share, he's also just genuinely such a fun person to talk to. So I always have a blast in these interviews. And something that I find that is very unique about James Braha and sets him apart is that he spent so much time steeping himself in the tradition and lineage of astrology in India and learning from really profound and amazing teachers that he always integrates spirituality into his work as an astrologer. So again, really interesting conversation. I hope that you enjoy it and learn something new and please be sure to check the show notes where you can find a link to James's book and his website in case you would like to contact him. All right. So again, enjoy the rest of this segment and thank you so much. All right. So welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to have James Braha here yet again <laughs> to talk about his new book and the new additions to his book and one of my favorite books, Ancient Hindu Astrology for the Modern Western Astrologer. It's a super thick book. It's like twice as thick as the other one that you've published, right? This is the revised edition. So it's 200 pages bigger. Okay. So, so. <laughs> just, just just to show you side by side what the what if you can tell yeah one of them is a lot bigger than the other yeah i spent a year revising it i i knew that it was going to be the biggest project as i was revising all of my books for ebooks i left this one for last because i wrote it in 1985 mm -hmm. came out in 86 and I knew that there would be a lot of changes, but I didn't really know that I would be rewriting the planets and houses as much as I did. Okay. And I didn't know that I would be rewriting all of the famous horoscopes. Mm. So the, the, the difference actually in numbers is that the, the famous horoscope section was 66 pages written by somebody who had been in the uh, using Hindu Vedic for two or three years. Now from 66 pages, it's 126 pages of analyzing the same people's horoscopes, but it's from the point of view of somebody who's been practicing for 35 years. And there's a 10 page uh, explanation of Donald Trump's horoscope as well. So that's completely new, but you know, one of the things, I mean, I was really chomping at the bit to be able to revise the planets and houses, because when I wrote those, I didn't want to 
you know, I, I did say things that were my experience, but I didn't have nearly as much experience. So I was also using what I was taught and what was in books, etc. And I didn't realize back then that the, the Hindu Vedic books, they leave out so much of the obvious. So anytime a person has a planet in the eighth house or 12th house, it's a disaster. The world's coming to an end. You're going to die early. They don't even mention, and I didn't even mention, mm -hmm. oh, benefics in the eighth house, long life, sexy appearance, uh, money from wills and legacies. I didn't mention those things because nobody else did in the books. They just wanted to convey that the eighth house and 12th house was bad. Yeah. So, you know, it was a, it was a funny thing, but occasionally I would give the book to somebody who was into astrology so that they could read their planets and houses. And I, I would read them and I'd say, God, this doesn't look so good <laughs> because it was leaving out a lot. So, when you so this book, I could hand it to anybody. They could read their planets and houses, and get a much more balanced approach. Mm -hmm. Before I start, before we get into this, I have a lot to say. Um, I want to say that if you're buying the book in the actual, not an ebook, but the actual book, mm -hmm. and you want to go to Amazon, they're the only one that sells the actual physical book. The ebook you can buy worldwide from different platforms, Kindle, all the others. If you're buying the book, you can buy it in the United States, the UK, Canada, France, Germany, Japan. That's about it. Other countries have to buy the ebook unless they want to pay $100 shipping cost. They can, they can if they want to pay me $100, they'll get it in five days. Anyway, um, so, so, so I also want to start out by showing uh, the statue of the goddess Lakshmi. Why am I showing the goddess Lakshmi? Because I am in a Venus Bukti. <laughs> Venus is a very afflicted planet in my horoscope. Hmm. So for these three years, I have Lakshmi around. I'm doing yagyas to Lakshmi. But I'm mentioning this because... Part of the difference in this book is that when you read the planets and houses, first, it's going to tell you Venus in this house. Then it's going to say Venus exalted, what that means. Then it's going to say Venus fallen. In all of the planets and houses, whenever I talk about a fallen planet, underneath it, it will say the person, if it's Venus, the person should keep Fridays restful and spiritual. They should worship the goddess Lakshmi. They can have pictures or statues of Lakshmi around the house. And they should chant the mantra for Venus or have yagyas performed during the dasha or bhukti. So if it's Saturn, it'll say the same thing. It'll say, worship Shiva, pictures of Shiva, keep Saturdays restful, have mantras and yagyas for Saturn. Mm -hmm. This is all throughout the book. Mm -hmm. Also throughout the book is when it gets to a planet that, that, that is fallen, say it's Mercury. So you have Mercury fallen in the third house or the eighth house or the sixth house. It will then say, whenever Mercury is fallen, the person may have troubles with the lungs, intestines, nervous system. Mm -hmm. If the person has Jupiter fallen, it'll give the explanation. It'll say to have the mantras and yagas to keep Thursdays restful. And then it'll say, 
whenever Jupiter is fallen, the person may have troubles with the liver, gallbladder, spleen, or allergies. So this is incredibly helpful for people that are starting out and learning because they, because, you know, when I came back from India, nobody told me that information. Mm-hmm. They told me, oh, if you want to know about health, look at the sixth house and the first house. Venus, uh, uh, say, say Mars in the sixth house afflicted problems with the, the bloodstream and the muscles. Mm-hmm. Mercury in the sixth house problems with the lungs and intestines. But nobody said, by the way, if Mercury is afflicted in the horoscope, problems with those health areas. So the student, when they're reading this, they will learn how to do a horoscope to know where the health problems are, regardless of what the sixth house is doing. Yeah, no. And I'm so glad that you said that you're actually answering questions that I had for you. Like, how is this book different than other astrology texts? I've never found a book that tells you, first of all, like this is going to be the afflicted position. And here is also what you can do about it. You know, like if it's afflicted, it may bring these issues. And then here's also a remedial measure for it. So I feel like that's really unique to the book. Um, And I also think that what you are saying is so important. And I didn't even realize that until having a reading with you and talking with you about having an afflicted planet, like it's going to bring health issues related to that planet possibly, even if it's not associated to a house that has to do with health. Right. And I, I didn't know that until talking. I always, (laughs) I, when I'm doing a reading, I try to tell a person, this is your best planet. You're going to have real luck with this particular, with, with Jupiter, your Jupiter is so good. You're going to have great luck with it, but you're going to, but your worst planet is Venus. You're going to have trouble with, I try to explain that to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Well, then you also give them remedial measures too, though. And I think that's so powerful about how you practice as an astrologer and the book is that it's saying like, yeah, here are the difficulties, but there's something that you can do about it. And it's very empowering, you know, and it's like, you can get a gemstone, you can get a mantra, you can get a yagya, but there are remedial measures that can be taken for it. And again, I, I love that. I love that that's something that's included in this book. And I think it's something that's really unique. You know, there's another, there, 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 there's something similar. Uh, when a person has Kuja Dosha, Mungal Dosha, or mm-hmm. Mungleek, when Mars is in the first, fourth, seventh, eighth, or twelfth house, there will be marriage troubles. So in the original book, if you read Mars in the first, or fourth, or seventh, or eighth, or twelfth, it would say marriage troubles, etc. Now, in the new book, it says, if you are in a culture where you can um, find another partner, arrange a marriage with another person that has Kujadosha, that will work. If you are in the West, you need to wait if you're not arranging a marriage Mm -hmm. with someone else that has Kujadosha. If you're in the West, you generally want to wait until the late 20s, early 30s, because by then you will have realized you need to choose a partner who's going to be good for you. Mm -hmm. So this is in every, when Mars is in the first... When you're reading the book, it tells you what to do if you have mm-hmm. kujadosha, mm-hmm. how to work with it. Mm-hmm. It's um, and then and then in the um, in the famous horoscope section, see the original book showed people how to use the system, mm-hmm. but the but the it was more about how to use it, but actually analyzing horoscopes was not going to be very easy for them because because there wasn't enough material really well 
well said. In this book, when you get to the famous horoscope section, it is so, I, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I looked at, <laughs> I joke about this. When this book originally came out, people raved about it. it. It changed the world. I got letters from all over the world saying, now I can understand how it works. Now I can do it, et cetera, et cetera. But one guy said, this is a great, he was writing a review or something. He said, this is a great book. You'll learn how to do it. And there's even a threadbare, there's a section of analysis of famous horoscopes with threadbare descriptions. And I thought, threadbare, threadbare description. <laughs> well, when I came back to this book in 2020 to redo it, they are very threadbare. They are nothing like, they are nothing like what the book is now. The other fascinating thing is, and then I'll let you speak. The other, the other fascinating thing is at the age of 35 or 34, whatever it was when I was writing it, I was trying to prove how it works, how to prove, oh, look, this is here and it, it really works. And so, you know, and, and I'm sometimes because I didn't have enough experience, I'm trying to foot, fit square pieces into round holes because I don't know what I'm doing as much, okay? <laughs> So um, um, now uh, that whole section is so, is so well done and so intricate. You will see, um, what I want to say though is, 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 is that in this version, I'm letting people know when it doesn't work. In other words, because, because so much of it does work because I've had so much experience with it. And I'm saying, look, this... Like, like, like Lyndon Johnson's horoscope, the birth time is now in question. It wasn't in question when I did the, the, the book, but 20 years later, some people think he has a different ascendant. So I show in the chart, I say, look, if he has this other ascendant, Leo, suddenly he has no, no younger brothers and sisters. If you use the cancer ascendant, which was the birth time that I was given way back, you can see four younger siblings easily. So I, so I do that. But when you're reading this, you're going to see the places where I say, now here, you can't, like Marilyn Monroe, I say, you don't look at this chart and say, oh, yes, this is a movie star, actress, performer. It's not as clear. Mm -hmm. She does have Venus in the 10th house, but that's about it. Normally, with an artist, uh, 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 an actor, you're going to see a third house and a fifth house that is really prominent. You don't see it here. So not only am I showing everything that works, but also saying, now here's something that you're not going to be able, like John Lennon, you're not going to be able to see him as a musician nearly as much as you will see him as a lyricist. His lyrics were everything. Yeah. And so, and so I'm saying this here, you're not going to find what you're looking for. It just doesn't show up because there's so much that does show up. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's really amazing, first of all, that you even wrote the first book after studying for a few years. That was karma. That I was mean, karma. That was just karma. <laughs> that was not me. That was Shiva saying, okay, we need somebody to do this. This guy's got the right horoscope. He'll do it. I mean, it was just karma. It was luck. Yeah. But it still came out really well, considering you had been studying for two years. And like, I mean, it's an amazing book still, but I think that you studying, as you mentioned, like over 30 years and now coming back and revising the book and adding to it, of course, it's giving the world another piece of information and a really valuable tool, but it's also showing and demonstrating 
how you can change as a practicing astrologer throughout the years and just how much room there is for growth. Ooh. You know, and especially Ooh. me, right? You don't, like, you, you don't know the amount of things that I said, oh my God, I said that? <laughs> In that original book, I said, oh, this won't be good because, because this planet's uh, retrograde and therefore it's afflicted. You know, about five, six years ago, I, I kept hearing these people. I said, why are these people thinking retrograde planets are afflicted? They're just passive. I go back to my book and, and there it is. I'm parroting what other people had told me. Okay. Yeah. And so what overall inspired you to revise the book? Is it this? Is it like looking back and being like, oh my gosh, there's just so much to correct and so much to add? Or was there a specific event that occurred that made you want to revise it? Or what exactly inspired you to, because it's a well, big commitment. I mean, this is a big revision. It's not just like a small revision. It's like you wrote huge, another book. It's, it's yeah. huge. And in the acknowledgments, I acknowledge my wife because no, really, I, I can hardly tell you what it's like when I begin focusing on astrology, the focus, you'll see it in the famous horoscope section, especially, but you also can see it when you start to think, wait a minute, you had to write 108 planets and houses and when they're exalted and when they're fallen. So every day I was doing this, I thought it would be three or four months You'll hear me on many interviews saying, oh, it's coming out in March. Oh, it's coming out in June. Oh, it's mm -hmm. After seven, eight months, I was so frustrated just because you have to understand, I started two years ago updating the art and practice of ancient Hindu astrology, how to be a great astrologer, living reality, how to predict your future. I was, it was two years worth of work. And after about seven or eight months of this one, which was the most intense, I would get frustrated. And at breakfast, I would say, I, when is this going to end? She'd, go, she'd say, James, it's so important. Your students are going to love it. And when she would say that, it would give me a week. For, another, for the next week, I would be pumped up. <laughs> but I started with just updating because I knew that people wanted ebooks. Honestly, I'll tell you my honest goodness thoughts, okay? I know you will. The, uh, <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. The, the honest to goodness thoughts were, I didn't update this book for anybody today. I, it's not who I did it for. I'm 69 now. I know I've only got another 40 years. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm getting up there, right? And my thought was, I want to make sure that when I leave this world, there is a basic fundamental book on Hindu Vedic astrology that is really as good as I can possibly make it. That was number one. Number two, if God forbid, I have to come back and reincarnate in this world. Yeah. I want that book for me. I'm sure I will show up and as a 15 year old and I'll say, oh, oh look, there's astrology. <laughs> That's amazing. But it was but it was really for the it was really for to leave it for the world for the next because now with the thing is now with the internet, as long as the world exists a hundred years from now, that book will still be there. And and part of the reason, you know, one of the things that 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 you'll notice is that very few Hindu Vedic astrology books put nearly as much attention on the planets and houses 
-hmm. My planets and houses are now 220 pages. And the reason is it's near impossible. So the sun in the first house, the sun exalted in the first house, the sun fallen in the first house, the sun in the second house, the sun through all 12 houses, exalted and fallen, and then Mercury. And it's 108. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, the, the difficulty of it. You need the kind of patience that I now have because I'm in the Saturn Dasha. I have all the patience to actually do that. Speaking of which, another addition to the book you may have noticed is that Ayurveda is now in there a little bit. So if a planet, if a person has uh, Mercury or Saturn in the first house, at some point in that explanation, it will say, unless there's mitigating factors, such as another planet aspecting the sun, aspecting the sun, moon, ascendant, or ascendant ruler, the person will have a vata nature. If Saturn or Mercury is in the first house, the person is vata. That means they are mental, airy, intellectual, nervous, Mm -hmm. and they should eat certain foods. Mm -hmm. If the person has Venus in the, well, forget Venus because Venus is complicated. Mm -hmm. If a person has Jupiter in the first house, the person will be kapha. They will be slow, steady, lethargic, uh, uh, but firm, and they um, they can have coffee and ca- caffeine and alcohol and hot spices, uh, whereas somebody like Vada or Pitta should not have that. So that's in that's actually in there with planets in the first house. Okay. Uh, yeah. And is this an addition? Like that wasn't in the first book. This is a new. No. 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 Okay. And the other question I had, one of my favorite parts about, I haven't, you know, I just got this book. Like I just ordered it and just got it. So I haven't looked through all of it yet, but the miscellaneous horoscope information, like where you put- um, Yogas? uh, It's near the yogas. It's like a few pages before. And it's like the moon in Aries is positive. It's just like random stuff. Random stuff. That's from- That's so helpful. That's from a- You don't find that anywhere. That's from a long time ago. Okay. But you, but you will find most of it, but you will find, you're going to find, you want to talk about random pieces of information. I'm going to give you some right now. Okay. Right. Cause I wrote, I wrote them down. <laughs> Mars in the seventh house. Hold on one second. All right. I'm patient. No, no, no. I'm patient for random astrology facts. Random, random stuff. <laughs> Mars in the seventh house. In most texts, it'll say Mars in the seventh house, the person's spouse may die. Now, this is not everybody, mm-hmm. but it's a, but a person with Mars in the seventh house is much more likely to have a spouse die than somebody that has Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, et cetera, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's obvious. Yes. But this is where this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna so that this is not a video on an advertisement of my book. I'm gonna give you some random stuff that's in the book, okay? Yeah. That is that is useful for even if people don't buy it. So what I had noticed is that people that have Mars in the seventh house, they often are present at the death of the spouse. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. My brother had that. She died in his arms. It's, it's something that I've noticed. Okay. This is my astrologer, Padia, used to say, I had two. Santanam was a scholar. Mm-hmm. Then two years later, I went to Padia. He was more a practitioner. Mm-hmm. And there were times when he would say, James, you take it from me. I have marked this. 
when he said, I have marked this, that means go to the bank on it, go to sleep on it, take it to the bank. It's going to be accurate. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everybody that has Mars in the seventh will have that happen, mm -hmm. but you'll be accurate a fair amount of times with that. Okay. And when I was doing the horoscope of Jackie Onassis, Jackie Kennedy Onassis in the book, I revised that, of course, as I did all of them. And suddenly it, it struck me that in the original book, I had mentioned how she has a, she has famous, powerful husbands, Rahu in the seventh. Mm -hmm. And uh, there might've been a planet aspect in it and the ruler of the seventh in the 11th, large sums of money. So she gets wealthy partners, but nowhere could you see her having, having an experience where her husband dies, right? Is shot right in front of her. Yeah. I'm looking at the Navamsha. Okay. I was going to ask about the D9. Go ahead. I was looking at the Navamsha mm -hmm. and the ascendant there, um, the ascendant there, I believe was Taurus, but the birth time is not perfect. It's a two thirty, I believe if I remember correctly, two thirty. you know, when, when birth times are on the half hour, I never do a horoscope for anybody. If they give me a birth time on the half hour or hour, I say, tell me the real birth time. Is that what's written on the birth certificate? No, sometimes it is. 90% mm -hmm. of the time, it's not written on the birth time like that. They've approximated it. And 2.30 turns out to be, you know, uh, 4.17. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, her birth time was from memory. So it's not double A. You get the best birth data from the lowest Rodden data bank. It's also called Astrodynst. Astro, D-I-E-N-S-T. They have the best birth data, but nobody has perfect birth data. Sometimes they get it wrong, but that's the best that I have found. So for Jackie Onassis, it's from memory at 2.30. Therefore, it's not a double A. You back it up 10 minutes. Now she's got Ma in the Navamsha, Mars in Libra, not Mars not in a good sign, mm -hmm. in the seventh. Mm -hmm. The fallen sun in Libra in the seventh. The seventh house ruler Venus fallen in the sixth. Oh, wow. So now you have, now you can see how that could happen. Okay. Yeah. So let me give you some little, some little tidbits that are just, these are, these are just little, uh, little pieces of information that you may find in there. Mercury or moon in the seventh house. The person's likely to have two great loves not just two marriages, but two, especially Mercury, two major loves in their life because Mercury is dual. The moon is similar. Um, when I wrote this book, I didn't know computers. It was 1985. They were just beginning. So the third house is filled with information about mechanical, technical computers, things like that. Another thing from experience you come back from India and you're told that the moon is female. So you figure that the moon in the third gives a, a female sis, a sibling, mm -hmm. younger sibling. You have the moon in the fifth, you figure you're, you're going to have a girl. The moon is probably 50, 50. Okay. Now you have to understand this properly because if the 10th ruler is conjunct with the moon or Venus, you may have a career that deals with women's items. Mm -hmm. right? The moon is female, but I'm just telling you from experience, the moon in the fifth can easily be a boy, just, just as, just as much as it'll be a girl. Okay. That's only in that one realm. It still is female. There's no question. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you from experience, you take it from me. I have marked this. Okay. Um, Saturn in the seventh house, second house. You think, oh, this is terrible for money, et cetera, et cetera. I have a friend who is wealthy beyond belief. It was inherited wealth. Saturn in the second, aspected by Jupiter. Hmm. And so it's, so I started to notice Saturn in the second, sometimes if it was well aspected, Saturn is karma. Saturn is karma. And it's specifically, it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not saying that they actually might make a lot of money because Saturn's in the second. I'm saying that occasionally, if they have Saturn in the second, well aspected, they will have inherited huge amounts of, mo- of, of wealth. Just a karmic, it's just a karmic, uh, you know, feature. Another one that I really like is um, Venus in the ninth house. The guru if you have Venus in the ninth house, the guru kind of treats you like a lover. They pull you aside. They give you special treatment. They give you special information. They don't give others. This is not stuff that you will read, although you'll, you might read it in my book now, but, but those are the kind of things that are, that are, you know, real specific. Another one, this is another fascinating one. Saturn in the first house, the person is, uh, lacks confidence, they are disciplined, responsible, austere, meditation, thin. You never read that they are selfish because they don't, they don't, they don't honor themselves generally. They don't, uh, you know, they, they don't feel good about themselves. They don't, they do for everybody else but themselves. Their own confidence is very weak. Okay. Occasionally, occasionally with Saturn in the first house near the ascendant or Saturn with the sun, you can sometimes find these people that are incredibly selfish. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because their lives in at a young age were so, mm-hmm. uh, they got so little mm-hmm. that they feel so much scarcity that they feel like they have to protect, they have to protect themselves because they get nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's rare. But, but those are the things that, 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 that you're going to find, another, that, that, that are not in the text. Another one is Venus's math. I didn't know that 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. But so like I was doing a chart recently, and Venus was in the fifth house, highly exalted. Not, not just in Pisces, but like 23, 25 Pisces near the 27th degree. I said, your, your child's either going to be a great artist or a great mathematician. They said it was a gene. It was a genius mathematician. How interesting! Or or, or Venus in the third house. Okay. The younger sibling will be an artist. Mm-hmm. Could be female. Could be a mathematician. Okay. It happens. These, these are these are the little subtleties. Another one is hairdressers. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This is a good one, because now when you go through the planets in the sixth house, you're going to see hairdresser mentioned six or seven times. Why? I didn't know hairdressers from from anything years ago, but as I'm doing horoscopes, I, I I say to the person, you have to do service. You have Venus in the sixth house or Moon. You can do service and you can do beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I'm a hairdresser. I go hairdresser. Over the years, I found a lot of hairdressers with Venus or Moon in the in the sixth house. Okay. Okay. So we got that covered with the hairdressers. <laughs> 
another one is another one is another one that I really emphasized. I, I think I wrote this in my first book, okay. but nobody got it. So I emphasized it. People think that moving to a foreign country is the ninth house. No, living outside your own country is from an afflicted seventh house, which I said the last couple of years in my interviews. But now when you read the book, fallen planet in the seventh house, he, the person may go live in a foreign country. Okay. Okay. Another one was the Marakas. Now the Marakas, the rulers of the second and seventh house, mm -hmm. for 35 years, I've had clients, they read the books and they say, oh my God, I'm coming to a Maraka period. Am I going to die? And I say, you come to a Maraka period every three or four years, you'd be dead 40 times already. <laughs> yeah. They don't know this. So I've always, so I've always said, if I could go back and rewrite the book, I pull the Marakas out of the book. Okay. But I can't pull the Marakas out of the book now. The genie's out of the bag. Yeah. So, so I said, so I explained it, and then I said, I bolded it. I mm -hmm. said, you have Maraka periods every three or four years. I bolded it, and then I repeated it. <laughs> nice. That's good to help, like alleviate anxiety, though. Because I do know astrologers who don't teach about the markas at all because they're worried about freaking people out or having them, you know, come to them freaking out. And so they won't even talk about the markas. And you're right. Like you've already mentioned it and people need to know. I mean, it's helpful information to know, but you've got to, you know, what element isn't going to kill you. The markas are the thing that I learned, I, I, I've said this in other interviews that my guru, when I was in my twenties, used to say the teacher learns more than the student. Mm -hmm. Writing this book, there were a certain number of conclusions and understandings that I came from working on this for a year. And one of them is that the Hindu Vedic system is really better used psychically mm. because you have, I mean, so, the Maraka is going to be useful when it's time to die. Mm -hmm. And psychically, they will pick that up. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I said in the book is this idea of having six charts to use is, is not good. Mm -hmm. But I'm coming from the point of view of being a teacher, not teaching psychically, but teaching the way it really works. If you use, as some people do, for a horoscope, the natal chart, the bhava chart, the chandra lagna chart, and some and many people use the navamsha chart as a natal chart after a certain age, and then they have the karakamsha and the the arula lagna, and and you go, if I have those that many charts, I can find anything. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, so you're a plumber and I didn't know it. Oh, there's plumbing. I see it in that chart. Oh, you're a doctor. It doesn't show up in the natal, but here it is. Oh, you can find whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are Indian and the psychic energy is just massive, that's what happens. They, they use all these different things. Another thing that I put in the book is that they mix the systems over there. Mm -hmm. And so when I was over there, uh, you know, I learned, in fact, I put it in my book and spread the word that, that the Atmakarika, the indicator of the soul, mm -hmm is the sun is always, the sun is always the Atmakarika. Mm -hmm. It's the soul and the planet in the highest degree, I said, is the Atmakarika. But that is from the Jaimini system. Yeah. I knew that, 
it, nobody hid that from me. I understood that. But my teachers were using it, so I put it in there. That's not a good idea for two reasons. One, in the Parashara system, the sun, which is the major system, the one that most people use because it's the most accurate. Mm -hmm. The Jaimini is not as good. It's good, but it's not as good. In the Parashara system, the sun as the Atmakarika is good. So the sun is a malefic. The sun is a malefic planet and it does cause problems, but it's also the Atmakarika. And therefore, wherever the sun is placed, the person's going to have a lot of energy. This is something in the original book, I said the sun is bad here and bad there. And I didn't do enough to say that it's going to be really a vital area wherever the sun is. So what happens is I get clients and I'll say, look, your son is in the eighth house. You're going to love astrology. It's the, it's the indicator of the soul. It's the Atmakarika. And they would say, wait, my Atmakarika is Venus. It's in this degree. Mm -hmm. Two things. One, the people forget the Atmakarika in the system they're using. They're using the Parashara system and they have forgotten the Atmakarika in that system. And they pull this Atmakarika from a different system. Yeah. But the worst part is when I do Jaimini, I don't specialize in it, but when I do Jaimini and I find the person's in the Adasha that holds the Atmakarika, it's not very good. The Atmakarika, I always thought would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. But in my experience and talking to other experienced people, they say the Atmakarika periods, they're not so good. So it, it just, it has all kinds of problems with it. That is really fascinating. But have you found that using the Atmakarka, like you mentioned, with the highest degree, even if you're mixing the system, like with the Parashara system, has accuracy in terms of a person's personality or personality qualities, like just like general tendencies? The only thing that I used, used to use that Atmakarika for was to say it's a very important planet. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just, I just don't even use it. I don't think it's used properly okay. mixing it in that system. I just don't think so. I prefer to use the Atmakarika in the Parashara system. I think it's uh, mixing systems, I, I think. Um, so here's another thing. In the original book, I would talk about a planet being having Dikbala. Mm -hmm. So Shadbala, Shadbala is a numerical system that tells you how strong a planet is. In fact, my original astrologer, Santanam, I said, I want to sit and read my horoscope. He said, I want to wait until we get the Shadbala, we get the computer program. By the time we got the computer program, the horoscope was wrong. Aww. It was the wrong chart. He, he never had the Shadbala. I don't, ha I don't happen to love Shadbala anyway, okay. because it's numerical my strongest planet in Shadbala is Jupiter. This is not my strongest planet by a long shot. Mm -hmm. My Saturn is. Mm -hmm. um, Jupiter's very afflicted by Mars and Saturn, aspecting Jupiter to the degree. So I don't really love Shadbala. But anyway, Dikbala is one of the sources of strength, which I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So the sun or Mars is in the 10th house and it gets Dikbala. Mm -hmm. And Saturn is in the seventh house and it gets Dikbala, mm -hmm. right? So... What you, what you think normally is, oh, so the best place for Mars and the sun would be the, the 10th house. The best place for Venus would be the fourth house. The best place for Saturn would be the seventh house 
Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Okay. So the Dick Bala is not telling you this is the best house placement. Yeah. It's telling you that when it is in that house, that planet becomes strong. So a person with Saturn in the seventh house, they have marriage troubles. But Saturn rule the houses that Saturn rules will be very strong or their sense of discipline and responsibility or meditation will be very strong, but it'll still hurt. Mm -hmm. So that's just, yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I talk about too, is that just because a planet is strong doesn't mean it's going to get good results. It could also give strong, bad results. That's an interesting thing also that I've mentioned in this book is that this took me a long, 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 too long time to learn. Exalted Saturn yeah. is a real, is a real <laughs> disappointment. Jupiter fallen is never as bad. I shouldn't say never. Jupiter fallen once in a while, especially when it gets toward the fifth degree, can be devastating, but it's rare. Most fallen Jupiters will not produce what I wrote in the original book. Okay. Oh, oh, Jupiter's fallen. It's going to cause this problem and that problem. Most of the times, it's just not that bad. And then when I say Saturn's exalted, the person's going to have this wonderful, it doesn't produce most mm -hmm. of the times. Mm -hmm. When it gets toward the 20th degree of Libra, sometimes it does, mm -hmm. but it's rare. Mm -hmm. That's in the book. That's in the book for every time you read your exalted Saturn in this house, your fallen Jupiter in this house, it'll say the bad stuff. And then right after the bad stuff, it'll say, Jupiter is the one planet that when it's fallen, it's not so bad. Yeah. Have you noticed that in Navamsha, like in D9 with a debilitated Jupiter? Because I've noticed this. I've noticed this a few different times that having a debilitated Jupiter in the D9, and of course, I mean, there are different things to consider, but I have noticed it be difficult for a relationship. Yeah, see, th see, this is where, this is where each this is what I, this was the major learning. I didn't intend to learn anything. I was just doing this so that this book would be the best book it could be. By the time it was over, I realized everybody has to find their own way. Okay. The Navamsha to me is nothing but a marriage chart. Now, look, I'm contradicting who knows how many famous, wonderful, brilliant astrologers, who knows how many hundreds of years, but I'm just telling you, I only use what works for me. So. Yeah. For me, for me, the Navamsha is nothing but a marriage chart. That's all it is. And, and all I use is the seventh house. A little, maybe 10, 20% the first house. So in other words, I'm looking at the planets in the seventh house, mm -hmm. what houses they rule that are in the seventh, where the seventh house ruler is, that's it. And aspects you don't use in divisional charts anyway. That's all I use. For the career chart, all I use is the 10th house, mm -hmm. planets in the 10th, where the 10th house ruler is, mm -hmm. because that's the only thing I could find to work. Mm -hmm. Now, other people use the chart as a whole. They talk about the Navamsha. I mean, it's in my first book. Mm -hmm. I had to, in this revision, mm -hmm. let me tell you, in the original book, it's, <laughs> it says, here's how you draw the horoscope. As soon as the horoscope is drawn, the next thing is the Navamsha. I say the Navamsha is so important and blah, 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 blah. Now I took the Navamsha and I took that and I moved it all the way to the back of the book. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's in the back of the book. Yeah. Now I mentioned, I mentioned that other astrologers use it 
in all sorts of ways, but I don't. I put it in the back as one of the divisional charts because, you know, the, the thing is, and, 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 and my wife said this to me when I was doing this one, the, the, when I was doing this art and practice book, mm-hmm. I remember acknowledging my wife and the acknowledgements because I would say to her, I don't know if I want to tell people this thing that for me is very real, but everybody's, she said, James, what they want from you is your experience. It's their job to find out whether they, whether it works for them. And I say that you have to experiment and find what works, but I tell people what works for me and that's it. Okay. And I've taken some flack from that. There was one review. <laughs> there was one review of that book. And the guy went nuts. The guy said, this is a terrible book because he tells you that this doesn't work. And this Vargo Tama doesn't work. And Nietzsche Bunga most of the time doesn't work. And so it's terrible. Now, the review is really absurd because it says in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. it says, I'm telling you what works and you have to find what works for you and experiment with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, well, I did. I had a question about that as well. And I feel like this is a good segue into it is, do you feel that the best way to approach using this book is to read it cover to cover? Because it's also kind of like a dictionary. I feel like it's also a really helpful book. And like, you know, if you're trying to decipher your own chart and you have Venus in the fourth house, you can open up the book and find it. But would you recommend reading like at least the intro or what would you rec- how would you recommend approaching the book for first, a- of, first of all the first of all the preface the preface is 12 pages mm-hmm. that preface i would read the preface three or four times before getting into the book okay but let me just tell you this let me just tell you this when i started astrology this was four or five years before hindu vedic I was 70, late seventies and I picked up, I bought all these books and Isabel Hickey's book, Astrology, A Cosmic Science was the best book on the subject. It put all the others to shame. I read this book and I was gobsmacked. I was flabbergasted. And I said, how does this woman know all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, she's 70. So she's been in the field. This is a big problem because you write your books in your 30s to try to get some fame. By the time you're 60, you don't care. You don't want to do it anymore. But that's when that's when the books should be written, when you've had the experience. So I remember I said, I'm going to memorize this book. I am going to learn everything that she put in this book. I'm going to learn and memorize. And guess what? You can't do it by a long shot. You just can't do it. Um, so... This book is like that. It's, it's, it's taking one astrologer's lifetime of work. It's putting it all in that book. It is, I wrote it for a reference text. That's why the planets in the houses, 108 of those things. And I, did, I, didn't, I didn't only put in everything that I could figure out and know. I also did research on the planets and houses as well. I pulled out a lot of crap that was in there and put in the stuff that's more accurate. So it is absolutely a book that people should use throughout their, you know, when you're analyzing a horoscope and you say, hey, what does that mean, that planet in that house? You go to this book. At the same time, there's a lot, when I'm talking about the, the, what a retrograde planet is, when I'm talking about the divisional charts, when I'm talking about, there's so much 
stuff in there that took a long time to learn. So I would absolutely read it from start to finish. Now you don't need to read how to, how to calculate the horoscopes. I even considered taking them out. Okay. But I said, why should I take it out? Some people want to know that. Mm -hmm. You know, 35 years ago, I actually calculated horoscopes. It took me three or four hours. I'd calculate the Western horoscope. From there, I would calculate the Hindu Vedic. It took hours and hours, but I used to do that. So I put it in there. You don't need to look at that. But the rest of the stuff you should, you know, I would say, yes, you read it cover to cover. And I wouldn't try to read too much at a time because otherwise you, 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 you know, take, take half hour, hour, and that's it. And then come back the next day and do it. But it's a reference text. There's no question about that. Yeah. I didn't write, I didn't write those 108 planets and houses fallen and exalted and what kind of healing methods to do so that somebody would read it once and then put it away. It's a reference text. Yeah. That's a great, I really appreciate you asking that question. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, one of the other questions was, um, if you already bought the first book, why would you buy the second? But I feel like this entire conversation has shed light on that. <laughs> let me, let me, let me tell you something. Yeah. I have 800 ancient Hindu astrology books in my shed mm -hmm. that are being sold by distributors right now. I am trying to find a way to get them. The, the books are sold by Amazon, right? I'm trying to get my distributor to buy those book, the, the new book. And this is going to be, I mean, if I were to sell those 800 books, which I will, I sell them. It takes a matter of time, but 800 books times, uh, I probably get about seven or $8 for that. So that's about six or $7,000 that is going to go down the toilet. Mm -hmm. But I would prefer that people have the new book. I would prefer they take the old one and throw it in the trash. Okay, because lots of people have bought your book after I referred them to buy it. <laughs> you, know I, what? I, you know what, you know what, you know what, you know what? I know what, I know what that sounds like, but let me tell you something, yeah. $32, yeah. $32 oh. to get the essence of what took 35 years to learn, you shouldn't give it a second thought. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't, I bought it immediately. So yeah, I would take, the, I, would take I am going to take those other 800 books and I'm going to try to donate them to oh. libraries and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, really, I what I think that that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. The problem, the, I have donated that book to libraries mm -hmm. and you see it in the card catalog and you go to look for it and it's gone because people steal astrology books. Yes. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love the idea of donating them and because that could be somebody's first introduction to astrology and then they could find your new book and buy it. Yeah. 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 And so the final question, because I know you're always generous with time and we're coming up on the hour, but I know that writing a book is very taxing and you've expressed that you'll kind of like um, lose motivation and then your wife would give you a pep talk and then you'd feel very energized. But what was your favorite part about writing the book? Like it, this could be just like an element of writing the book that you enjoyed or a section of the book that you enjoyed writing. The f first of all, first of all, every time I corrected something 
like retrogrades, like marikas, anytime I corrected, or the Navamsha saying no, and Vargotama doesn't work. Every time I corrected that, it was like it was like a thrill in my heart. I will tell you that. But the favorite part was in doing the famous horoscopes. Um, and they would go on. I mean, it would take, <laughs> I, I would think, well, I just have to update this. I just have to kind of fix it. Yeah. And then I'd be three weeks on, on John Lennon. I'd be three weeks on Lyndon Johnson. I mean, you know, so it, 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 it was only the, it was only the fact that I kept wanting the result. That was the problem. It wasn't that I minded doing it. It's that I kept saying, like, if you hear these videos of me, <laughs> oh, the book's going to be out in March, in April, in May. And that's what was frustrating me. I kept thinking it, I should have completion. But working on those horoscopes, and, and I've had, you know, the, one of the guys that was proofreading it, uh, Dennis Boyle was, was proofreading, and he said, he said, those, the analysis of the famous horoscopes, he said, they're incredibly thorough, mm -hmm. you know? And there's this thing I always mention. This this is just to me. This is remarkable. Um, Lyndon Johnson's chart works perfectly anyway. It works very very well. It's not not a chart. It works very well. And one day, you know, you have to. I mean, the thing is, I've read books on Lyndon Johnson, so I know I know a lot about him. He cheated throughout throughout his elections, up until he got maybe to the you know. Senate and Congress, even though he probably cheated, but he cheated all his way, you know, throughout. And, and, and he manipulated. He was a manipulator. He was like Machiavelli. He was, he knew how to manipulate. And one day I was looking at the horoscope as I was at the computer. Ketu, which is illusion, deception, manipulation. Ketu aspects, Mars, Jupiter, Sun, Moon, and one other, I think Venus or something. Wow, it, oh it, Ketu aspects two or three planets within one or two degrees. And then it aspects the others a little bit wider. I do charts. I do charts every day, every day for years. Yeah. And I'm looking, I am looking at Rahu and Ketu aspects always. I can't remember a chart I can remember charts where, where three or four planets were conjunct with Ketu, and that's big. I don't remember a horoscope where Ketu aspects five planets. Yeah. And when you, when you read about him, his ability to manipulate and do things behind the scenes, it's just perfect symbolism. Mm. Wow. And, and my teachers did not use Rahu Ketu aspects. Oh, interesting. I came, they told me, they aspect the fifth, seventh, they aspect the seventh and the, the fifth and the ninth. They don't aspect the seventh because sure. Rahu and Ketu, they're opposite each other anyway. Yeah. So I knew that it was in the scriptures, but they said nobody uses them. The reason I started using them was because occasionally I would see a horoscope where a planet or a house was aspected by one malefic plus Rahu or Ketu. It was always worse. The planet or the house that was aspected by the malefic mm -hmm. was always much worse if Rahu or Ketu joined in the mix. Mm -hmm. 
That's when I knew these aspects work. Mm -hmm. Now I use them, but I don't just consider them evil and bad and terrible. And by the way, I got rid of the word evil in this book. because <laughs> Santanam, okay. my first teacher, Santanam used to yeah. say, this, this is evil. This is evil. I saw, I used evil, but people take it. I just mean harmed or bad. I just pulled mm -hmm. it out. But, um, what about but, the term completely destroyed? Do you use that one in the new one? <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, I remember evil and I remember completely destroyed. I don't mind completely destroyed because there are planets that are completely destroyed. There, there are, are planets, planets that are completely destroyed. There, yeah. Evil is evil. The problem with evil is they don't see that as being completely destroyed or terrible or harmed. They think it's like this... Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. You know, like, it's, it's a dirty, like scary. It's, a de it's the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I took that out. Yeah. Okay. Just ask, just wondering. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to add about the book? Anything that you want to share or? No, just um, everybody has to find their own way. Mm -hmm. When you, so... I do, I do say that people should find one teacher and study with them and get everything you can. And then when you've gotten what you want, you, you move on you know, to another teacher or whatever. Um, so when you read a James Braha book, you're reading, I am always looking for the truth. I'm always looking for what works. I don't want the philosophy. I don't want what somebody else said. Mm -hmm. I want to know that it absolutely works. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's, if that's what you're looking for, which most people are actually looking for that, yes. but this is a psychic field. This is a psychic field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I mean, Nietzsche Bunga works about maybe 10 or 20% of the time, which is useless for me. That means, that means if I, it, a per, when I came back from India, I said, oh, this planet's fallen, but it has Nietzsche Bunga. So mm -hmm. the, the, so the fallen placement is canceled. It'll, it'll be a, a yoga. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. And I'd be wrong eight out of 10 times. So mm -hmm. I stopped using it. But if you're psychic, you may be looking at a Nietzsche Bunga planet and say, oh my God, I get the feeling that that one's really going to work. Yeah. If you're psychic, but I, that's not for me. Okay. I took a class in the late seventies in astrology and Kabbalah. And there was this, one of the, one of the classes was on psychic phenomenon and I was good at it. I remember I, I held this guy's watch and I started telling him and he said, my God, that is so accurate. It was about, I said, you're, this girl really likes you and you act like you don't even know it. And he said, that's what everybody tells me. So, but I said, I don't want any part of that. I don't want that because I wouldn't know when to trust my intuition. I would prefer Santa uh, uh, Padia says, you take it from me. I have marked this. Mm -hmm. And then I know. And, mm -hmm. and I even say, I say in the preface, if you read the planets in the houses slowly, slowly and thinking about what the house means and what the planet means, occasionally you'll hear a little whisper of James Braha going, <laughs> you take it from me. I have marked this. <laughs> okay. Yes. Perfect. Well, congratulations on finishing your book. And Padia is getting the book today. Really? 
I mailed him a copy. It was very expensive because it's it's a five pound book or whatever. But he's getting the book in India today. Yeah. Maybe sometime we can do another interview talking about your teachers. I didn't even know he was still around. You know, the funny thing is, um, um, Santanam, if you look in my book, Astrologos, Santanam is this, I was 33, 34. He was probably 38 or 39. When I went to his house, I thought I was going to this, you know, because they said, oh, he's a famous teacher. He's a famous uh, translator. I thought I'm going to see a 60-year-old guy with a beard. I get there and he's a few years older than me. In, in the book, he's holding a picture of his baby. He was going to come to the 1997 or 1998 Vedic Astrology Conference. I was going to go and introduce him. Okay. He died that year. Oh, my in God. Fact, in fact, in fact, James Kelleher, an astrologer with the Vedic Astrology Conference, went to see Santanam and he said, can you commit to coming to the Vedic Astrology Conference this year? And he said, I will let you know after such and such a month. Yeah. And it was, and he took his son with him to Benares, which is where you go to die. Wow. If you die in Benares, they say you go to heaven or whatever. So he, he knew he had, I don't know if he had illness and was sick and had cancer. I don't know, but he wasn't, he must've been 45. He wasn't old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it sounds like he knew that he was going to pass. Oh, he, well, he knew there was danger. So he took yeah. his kid and I heard from his son, Srinivas, about five, seven years ago, I got an email. He said, I am Srinivas, which is the little kid in the photo. He was a little kid when I was there, a little baby. Yeah. And he said, I want to learn astrology. So I sent him all my books, but you can't, he, I don't think he had the bug for astrology. Yeah, I think yeah, he yeah. was looking at it as a way of making a living or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've got to really want it. You know, you've got to really want it and study it every day. And then I think it also, as you were saying, and I hear that you approach astrology with a much more like practical, grounded technique, which makes sense for you. But, That's what um, I do. I'm not, yeah. yeah. But I, I think know. that there is though, I think that there is this element of like an undeniable intuition that good astrologers have. And it's like, rather they're aware that they're tuning into it or not, like, you know, no, no. That, that happens to me. I'll be doing a chart and I'll think medical. I say, medical? Where's medical? Mm -hmm. And I start looking and digging because the intuition comes. Mm -hmm. But that's different from, like, I'm telling that's different. That's different from having a natal chart, a bhava chart, a chandra chart, a, a ruta lagna chart, a karakamsha chart. I mean, it's just different than that. Some people can do that. You want to do that? That's fine. I don't. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it should show up in the natal and it should show up in the uh, you know, the bhava chart is part of the natal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on a comment on one of the videos I posted with us, someone said, you're a no BS astrologer. So I get, that all, I get that all, I get that all the time. I get that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been so good talking with you again. Thank you for Thank taking you. the time. I'm excited to share it. I hope that people get the book because it's awesome. I'm really excited to continue looking through it and Congratulations again on finishing. I know it's Thank a you. huge project. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. All right, James. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Oh, I'm hope, let me say one thing. Please. I'm hoping, hoping to do some online teaching in 2021. First, first I have to fix my website. I need to update my website completely. And then I will, uh, I'd like to do some online teaching. Are you thinking of recorded teaching or live teaching? 
or is that still in like the li- li- it would be live I think okay well I'll be there so I'll be watching out for that <laughs> all right James I'll talk to you soon thank you all right thank you so much Thank you so much for listening until the end of this segment. Again, I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I do. I always have such a good time talking with James. And I want to say I have had a personal reading with James before, and it was one of the most profound readings I've had. And I have so much appreciation and respect for him as an astrologer. If you have the opportunity to get a reading with him, I highly recommend it. You can visit his website, jamesbraha.com and find all of his information there. And as he mentioned, he's planning to do some webinars in the future, which I'll be sure to keep you all up to date on when I learn about them. And he can be found on YouTube. If you type in James Braha into the YouTube search bar, you'll be able to find many interviews on him and learn a lot from him when he's teaching online. Of course, if you would like to schedule a reading with me, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com or visit my website, innerknowing.yoga. Please follow my Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast and on Twitter, astrologynow underscore. Again, my name is Christy Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.